0: Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We're a Buffy and Angel podcast. Um, I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. And today we're going to talk about uh, episode 11 of <laughs> season 4 Buffy, Doomed, and episode 11 of Angel, Somnambulist. I have to read Yay, that one when I say it. it. <laughs> I don't know if the N or the M comes first.
1: <laughs> I think it's...
0: It's the M. Some, it's the
1: M comes first? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I did look up that word. Mm-hmm. It means sleepwalker.
0: Yeah. I did yeah. actually know that. I didn't I know, know why that. I knew that. I probably knew this from, knew it from watching this episode a long time ago. Um, yeah, but uh, how are you? <laughs> we're recording two episodes in one day, so we've technically already talked. Um, yeah.
1: Um, we're sparing everyone our 20-minute conversation on Wrinkle in Time, yes. which neither of us has seen, but yet we still have strong feelings Strong opinions.
0: I was thinking about it a lot yesterday.
1: Yeah, I kept, me too. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, but yeah,
1: um, no, I'm good. Um, you know, it's, it's Sunday, the clocks changed and, uh, oh, that was a yeah. bit jarring. Did not care for that. <laughs> yeah. I
0: always think it'll be fine and I'm always really irritated about it.
1: I think this is the first time in a, a good number of years where it took me by surprise, mm-hmm. where I just like wasn't expecting it. And then yeah. I woke up this morning and I was like oh whoops <laughs> like I had this thought of like what if I hadn't been relying on my phone as my alarm like I definitely would have
0: screwed up Mis- my entire yeah day. I guess that's probably yeah. why they do it on a weekend give everyone a chance to like figure it out
1: yeah but if your weekend is like overscheduled like mine that's true. Yeah. <laughs> causes problems yeah um yeah it would have been fine it's just like it was a bit of a foggy like first five minutes of the day like, <laughs> like what's happening um well actually because it was quite literally foggy <laughs> outside oh as well. okay so, well that's nice yeah so it was like extra dark really mm-hmm. but um anyway so but now we're recording and it's fine mm-hmm. um and we're gonna talk about some pretty upbeat episodes <laughs> of television
0: so upbeat it's called doomed
1: <laughs> yes Um, they're both really happy-go-lucky episodes. Yeah. Um, honestly, well, we'll get into it, but... Yeah.
0: Let's talk about Doomed. Let's talk about Doomed. I... This is another, as we run into occasionally, this is an episode that, like, no matter how much I thought about, I couldn't remember what happened in this episode before I watched it. I was like, what the hell is that episode about? And even after having watched it, I'm a little bit, like, I... I think this summary is going to be a little tricky, not only because I'm just we're both not great at the summaries, but because it doesn't have like a great through line.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like you finish the episode and you're like, I still don't. Understand I still don't know what happened. This- <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, OK, so I'll attempt to kind of explain it and you know, I think the main thing is that Doomed picks up right where Hush left off. So at the end of Hush, you know, Riley and Buffy are sitting in a room together, realizing that they clearly need to have a conversation because they've now discovered that they're both so- at least somehow involved in this supernatural fight <laughs> that goes on in Sunnydale. So this, you know, the episode literally starts in the same scene. They're still in Buffy's dorm room and they're like admitting that they need to have a conversation about each other. Um, and they do. And, you know, Buffy explains that she knows that Riley is part of some sort of military group that's doing experiments on um, <laughs> on demons that they probably have some sort of, like, euphemism for. <laughs> and um, meanwhile, Riley has no idea who or what Buffy is, and he states such. She says, what are you? And she gets really annoyed about it. But um, she reveals to him that she's a slayer, and it falls completely on deaf ears. Like, he, he's never heard of that. He has no idea what she's talking about. He does recognize that she has seemingly superhuman abilities and that despite being involved in the same fight, yes, you know, or that earlier that night, the day before, um, that she doesn't have any visible bruises. Um, So they sort of feel each other out and understand that what, where they both are awkwardly, you know, this is also on the tail end of them having their first kiss and really probably deciding that they want to be in a relationship together. And this obviously throws a huge wrench into that, that kind of plot line as well. So they go their separate ways, Um, meanwhile, in, as always happens in Sunnydale, there is an earthquake that ends up in fact being important for another apocalypse. Some demons have arrived in town that are going to perform some sort of ceremony at the Hellmouth in the, um, the opening of the Hellmouth, which is still in the former library of the high school. (laughs) Um, and they have to, you know, uh, kill a few people and collect a few body parts in order to make this apocalypse happen. So Buffy and Giles and her team are working on this. Meanwhile, the commandos that Riley is working on are also coming at this, trying to find, trying to find the demons and trying to stop them in the same way. Um, so, I mean, I think that's kind of the gist of it. There's a lot of references to things in high school. You know, Buffy is referring a lot to the, her previous relationship and the ways in which that didn't work out, which is why she doesn't want to get involved with Riley now. And also they, have to literally go back to high school to avert this apocalypse since they're opening the hell mouth once again. Um, And, you know, Willow is also kind of having her own uh, little emotional arc in this episode where she's ends up sort of feeling like a nerd again, who doesn't, isn't, you know, doesn't have as many friends and doesn't feel as comfortable and whatever. Um, But yeah, by the end of the episode, they're all back in the library trying to stop these demons. Riley shows up because he's tracked them with his own um, tools And he ends up helping Buffy, uh, you know, avert the apocalypse. And convincing her to date him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I skipped the most important thing. This is the episode where Spike finds out that he can't hurt Ah. humans, but he can hurt demons. (laughs) So the episode actually ends on Spike announcing to everyone, what are we doing sitting around? There's evil to defeat. Blah, blah, (laughs) blah. (laughs) And he also has to walk around in Xander's clothes, which is hilarious.
1: Xander's too small clothes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, this is one, you know, the okay, so uh, the specifics of the demons, I think, again, it's like very convoluted for an episode that's not even really about them. It actually reminded me a lot of the Zeppo. Yes, I was, like, I was just oh, going to say a, that, where there's yeah. this
1: background apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the apocalypse should be the big thing, but it's like not sort of in the background.
0: Except I think in the way, you know, the Zeppo kind of succeeds because they really only show flashes of that fight, and it's always very dramatic, intense scenes, whereas in this episode, they do try to explain what the demons are after and what are the—I I mean, they do that in the Zeppo a little bit, but I just feel like they—a little too much, like, they, there's the sacrifice of the three, and they need this amulet, and they need to blah—like, it was a lot of detail for something that kind of didn't really matter. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know what I got a little also lost in
1: reminded it. me of the Zeppo, but not in a good way? Mm. Because where in the Zeppo it was, like, used for comedy. Right. Effect. Yes. Yes. This entire episode is Buffy and Riley having the exact same conversation. It is. It is. totally In the is. most melodramatic way possible. Yes. Buffy and was I, really frustrating in this episode. <laughs> yes. And I hated every second of it.
0: Yeah. You're right. I was really I mad hate at her most it. when Buffy gets really
1: melodramatic with, like, her whole, like, thing. And it's, like... It's not that complicated. It's not, like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But she's acting like she's trying to decide whether she's going to spend the rest of her life with Riley. Right. And it's like, you're not. And I do feel like, yeah,
0: it's interesting because normally I think, like, yeah, Riley should learn how to take no for an answer. But there is an element of, like, she's just saying things that are so ludicrous. Like, Buffy, you literally kissed an episode ago and you just like, oh, but what if we're not meant to be forever? It's like, that's not what's on the table right now. (laughs)
1: Yeah, which I think Riley kind of points that out. To he his does. I, yeah. He also though says he's going to not pursue her anymore, and then proceeds to pursue her. So it's, it's true. like they're both very frustrating in this episode. They are. I feel like Buffy. Like, she takes
0: the cake for me, though. She I is. think what
1: we're supposed to get is that she got spooked by the earthquake because it is true. The last time there was an earthquake, mm-hmm. she did die. This apocalypse thing kind of throws into re- even if the apocalypse in this episode is like a non-event, um, it does kind of throw into sharp relief like everything that she has to deal with, like, right. it's a Thursday, therefore there must be an apocalypse, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, I think, and I think she's not wrong to be worried about how, how to, like, try to have a relationship and deal with that, and I think part of it we're supposed to get is, like, she really likes Riley, so she does view him as, like, a long-term prospect, but, like, right. also, I just think she's being a little too, like, dramatic about it. She like, really
0: is. And it's,
1: like, He's not asking you to marry him. He's asking you to like... Be his girlfriend, and like, yeah. if it doesn't work in a month, and then then it doesn't work, but at least you tried. Like yeah. this, this right off the bat, like we're doomed because my last relationship with yeah, my exactly. cursed vampire boyfriend <laughs> yeah, didn't work it, for various a, reasons is, that none of those reasons apply to this. Exactly, current relationship. it's a particularly therefore ludic- I've taken this lesson that I can never be romantic. Like it doesn't. Yeah, I, I'm it's like a very ludicrous equivalent
0: equivalency yeah. that she's drawing, and and on top of it, she's a complete hypocrite in this episode, which is also really frustrating. And I, I don't know that that part is particularly unrealistic but it is frustrating to watch where it's like she's mad at him in that opening scene because he's been keeping the secret from her meanwhile she's has a secret identity (laughs) like Buffy you know how this works and the way that people get put into this position so like it's really not weird at all and also who's to say that he wouldn't have told it to you once your relationship had progressed like you guys haven't even agreed that you're dating so I think it's fair for him to hold some stuff back you know like there's he really hasn't done anything wrong I mean maybe she's other than aligning like himself a with a questionable crap, group but she basically. yeah she's being really bratty. Yeah. And I'm normally really on her side but she's but trying
1: to draw this comparison to like he has nothing to yeah. I'm like okay one Riley is not cursed you can have sex with him yeah. <laughs> there's one issue solved you can see him in the daylight there's one issue solved Yeah, actually he's already aware of this world and involved with it that yeah. should be a bonus yeah. like sure you're both at risk for dying but like you were always at risk for dying so that's the same yeah. thing like, and and as much as she
0: said you know I think if they had leaned in, if her arguments had been more about, like, just she was seeking something normal, and now even this isn't normal, I think that's an interesting conundrum for her yeah. personally, but, but that's none of the arguments that. that she makes. Yeah, maybe yeah. she says it offhand to Willow, but it's like, that's the thing that I would understand her being upset about. And not even being upset at, at, at Riley about, but just being upset, like, at the universe, or like, what, this again? Like, I finally found a normal guy, and he's not normal, I think is a valid argument, but the rest of it is completely bullshit. But they never bullshit. make that argument. Exactly, And I think exactly. all of her
1: arguments are easily, like, thrown out the window. Like, I mean, she's like, oh, my world is really unsafe. Well, it's like, well, then yeah. wouldn't it make sense if you had a boyfriend who could take care of himself? Also, like, you live in Sunnydale. Just...
0: People are constantly unsafe there. Anyone who lives there is at risk, whether or not they're involved directly in the supernatural. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This isn't
1: that Buffy at her best.
0: It's not. and And it also is kind of a... I think it is a little bit of a letdown because I think that's, you know, this is a time where I think the writing kind of fails. I think that they drill into the wrong issues. So the stuff that works about this episode, I think kind of everything else, you know, the Spike stuff is very entertaining. I think Willow's journey is a little bit interesting and, you know, Xander gets some funny line, like everything else I thought was okay. Um, But it's just not a great follow up to how I think their revelation to one another should have been.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit to be said that, like, probably any episode on the heels of Hush is going to be a little bit of a letdown, but I think the the thing that drives me <sighs> nuts the most about this is, like, the end of Hush sets us up to be so good because, yeah. like, you've got them sitting on opposite beds. They're, like, going to have this conversation, and you're, like, cannot wait. And then they have this conversation, and everything about it irritates the hell out of me. I don't... And then yeah. and then the episode itself is just kind of so forgettable that, like, I had to look up what it was. Yeah. like, you know... It's but, just a little bit like it's an, it's forty minutes of Buffy deciding whether she wants to date Riley, right? And it's like I <laughs> forgot like, yes, that yeah, that even happened. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's it's just such a letdown. I, but it's interesting though because I don't I could see
0: yeah the rest of this episode kind of not being as good as Hush I could understand, but the whole season has been building up to them, and we've known as an audience that Riley is a commando for a while, so I don't agree that this. Ha- I think if anything, they had way more time to plan out how this interaction was going to go down and what the real discussion should have been. They mean the writers. So like, there's really no reason for them to, to bungle this because it's, they've been setting it up for, for several episodes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just very weird to me. And they kind of just failed.
0: Yeah. I think they really just don't do it justice. (sighs) Although I did enjoy the (laughs) the fry cook joke. (laughs) When Buffy and Riley are on the street arguing about this and he's like Oh yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to say what they are and she says she comes from a long line of fry cooks. I don't know. Do
1: you um you know what that reminded me of? Do you watch Crazy Ex Girlfriend?
0: Uh no, not really. No.
1: Okay. There's like a great scene in like one of the last episodes of the season where they're arguing about one thing, but they're using like different terminology okay. and <laughs> it like it's this really emotional conversation. Mm-hmm. And like the they're having, they're, like, using this other wording for it. So, like, the entire, like, break room at the office is, like, watching this happen, and they're, like, not understanding why they're getting so <laughs> emotional. It, it just works wonderfully. Like, I do enjoy it whenever they do that. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing here where, you know, they're getting really melodramatic about their destiny as fry cooks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um But, yeah. But it, it just reminds me of every conversation Buffy ever had with Angel where it wasn't... As simple as like, oh, I have doubts about this. It's like this, like epic. The whole like, world is gonna fall apart world if I is make them. Yeah, to, exactly. Yeah, and it's just like, or it's gonna I just mean, keep turning. I get and, yeah, it, that might be part of like being a teenager and like right. your whole world, but like it's also a little bit like Buffy is like almost nineteen now. Yeah, so she should know better. And also, it's just like an annoying habit of hers to well, make everything in her life so epic.
0: I think what you're getting at, and what I had also kind of written down in my notes is like, it is just a particularly stark representation of her immaturity, right? Yes, she's the slayer. And in a way, a lot more things do revolve around her than a normal person. But at the same time, like, again, really in that first conversation that she's having with Riley, where she's so focused on how mad she is at him for lying to her, that she can't even admit that she's literally done the exact same thing. Or it's like, you are so focused on yourself. That is like a, in a particularly, teenager way you know and it's just very frustrating Be- I, I get it you know and, and that's the part where it's like I don't want to judge Buffy as a person too hard because like she is a teenager and this is her freshman year of college so like this probably is the time when you're maybe having a lot of those starting to kind of get grow out of some of those behaviors but it's still very frustrating especially because well, she thinks she's so mature you know it's like
1: yeah, right and she- like the hypocrisy of her not recognizing that she did the same thing to Riley might come from the fact of like You know, her situation is only different in that it's like her destiny, she can't Mm -hmm. avoid it. She's been told to keep this secret. So in her mind, like that's just part of her life and like that's an acceptable thing that she does to people because like it's protecting them. But like she doesn't give Riley the same benefit Benefit, of the doubt, where it's like he chose to do this, so he's therefore choosing to lie to her and like all this stuff. But he has to remind her, like, that's my job to keep it secret Mm -hmm, too. mm -hmm. You know, so they are in very similar situations, but it is a little bit, like, amateur of her to, like, focus only on, like, what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Where she's been telling him about her petroleum homework and, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, some old guy named Spike and, like, yeah. who knows what. So, yeah. like, yeah, she should really know better.
0: Ugh. Um,
1: as, okay, so, like, uh, you were talking about Willow's art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
0: uh, so yeah. Let's start with the most important thing, which is that during the earthquake, Willow says that she almost got buried by books. Which is my greatest nightmare. I constantly think I'm going to be killed by my books.
1: Yeah. She escaped with her life, well. thank
0: God. But yeah. as she said that, and I was like, ah don't
1: mention that. Well, I that also to like me. her reference to like she knows what it's like to be buried under books. Yeah, it's not yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's happened a few times. Yeah.
0: But yeah, so she goes to you know, Buffy is busy and so Willow ends up going to like a you know, like a campus party by herself. And she doesn't really have anyone to go with. Like Xander's not around. Buffy's not there. She doesn't have Oz anymore. And instead she sees Percy from their high school who was kind of, you know, he was a minor recurring character. And she kind of is excited Mm -hmm. to be like, oh my God, I didn't know you were here or whatever. And they did, you know, they ended high school on a positive note. And he, they were maybe not friends, but they were definitely like friendly and he seemed to respect her. And so instead she kind of has this very awkward interaction with him where he's with this other girl who's clearly like, really judging Willow and also doesn't care about this. And then, yeah, I don't know. I mean, she ends up overhearing Percy say, call her a nerd and kind of say these hurtful things about her right behind her back like a few minutes later. I don't know. That scene was also a little too real for me. <laughs> I haven't had that exact experience, but I've had some similar ones. I don't yeah, know. What you, like, yeah. I think it's
1: clear that like Percy is maybe saying these things to like placate this girl. Yes, but like Willow I agree. doesn't know that and so I mean, it doesn't just, make it any but,
0: better really oh, no
1: it doesn't but i mean it's like it i don't think we're supposed to think it's things that like percy might even believe about Willow. right but, right like, he's just saying it because he like wants to get in this girl's pants but like um yeah i think also too like then the kicker of that is like willow's going off to like kind of like be Sulk. sad yeah and then only to stumble <laughs> so upon dead his dead body
0: in the grossest way possible which is laying down yeah. in bed next to it yeah Ugh.
1: which i think in my memory like i remember the party scene with Percy, and I think, in my memory, he was the one that died because mm. he and the guy who actually die are indistinguishable to yeah me in my head. <laughs> pretty but um, yeah, that wasn't the case, so
0: I guess i you know, as kind of happens from time to time, I think they they're trying to make a theme, I think, out of going back to high school or reliving their kind of high school past in this episode. I don't feel like it really adds up to a greater point, but I no, I, think I do right. like it's
1: but, like a half, half yeah. theme. In it is. This it episode.
0: is. It's a half baked theme, but I think that the Willow one at least feels realistic to me. You know, she has kind of like, she had a cool boyfriend. She's fitting in in college in a way she, she was definitely in a good place probably by the end of high school, but she's fitting in in college in a way she never did in high school. And I think, you know, I, I guess I just find that relatable and also interesting that feeling of like, I've grown and changed so much, but there is still, it's hard to to kind of make peace with ha- where you were and where you are sometimes. I don't know. I guess I i, I thought that was an interesting story to tell, even though it, it, it doesn't amount to anything other than them just saying, go back to high school Other hundred times.
1: Yeah. I mean, you kind of get it. I, I, I wish they had explored that angle a little bit more because yeah, they just say it, um, but it doesn't
0: mean anything. Because like
1: Buffy's in a way revisiting her high school relationship mm-hmm. and like casting that on Riley a little bit. Um, And then Willow, obviously, her high school identity and like they're all literally going back to high school, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it's just a little bit unformed. So it doesn't really make any point. But you hit it on the head,
0: I think, in that Buffy keeps saying this is just like her high school relationship, but it doesn't work because, because it it's worked. nothing like her high school relationship. Yeah. She's just decided it is because that's the theme of the episode. Yeah. But like, that's why it ultimately doesn't really hold water. It's just that they're forcing it on the Buffy storyline, whereas it does kind of make sense with the Willow one. But again, where does that really get us? No yeah. Nowhere.
1: And if you, if you go with the name of the episode, like, I guess the idea is Buffy's worry that her relationship with Riley is doomed, right. but like, you could also argue the characters are worrying that they're doomed to like repeat their mm-hmm. past or, mm-hmm. Whatever, but I just feel like it's just not finished. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, they had a deadline, and they didn't quite get there, but they were <laughs> like, well, we have to start filming, so yeah, we yeah. might as well, like, yeah. you know. Um, but again, because, like, one like, the... Spike the... is kind of, like, needling them about, like, their place mm-hmm. in Buffy's life now and, like, all this stuff, but, like, none of it gels very yeah.
0: well. Like, it's funny in a mean way, yeah. but it's not... Yeah, it doesn't ultimately make them... It's not cohesive. Them, like, no. it feels
1: like everyone's got a different theme that they're exploring, and it's, like all a little bit overwrought and, well, does, and, and particular, doesn't tie together very well. Yeah. And then and then you've got this this apocalypse thing, which as always it's like you keep revisiting this well and it's like just less confirming. Yeah. Other time.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's interesting too because other than the demons needing to do this at the Hellmouth, which is in the high school, the demons have no metaphor really. <laughs> like they're not doing they're not adding no. anything to this episode other than a reason no. to go back to the high school.
1: So here's a thought I had about the Hellmouth, where mm-hmm. you know Throughout high school, it's this thing that exists, and it caught, it's a handy device for a lot of excuse for things happening in Sunnydale. But if you think about in Prophecy Girl, the first time the Hellmouth opens, mm-hmm. it's a really big deal. Like, it feels like the yeah. world is going to end because the Hellmouth opens, yeah. okay? The next time the Hellmouth opens, it's in the background of the Zeppo, yeah. <laughs> and it's played for almost comedy, uh-huh. okay? And then this time, they're trying to open the Hellmouth, or they do open the Hellmouth, it's unclear. But it's like this thing happening in the background. So I feel like the first yeah. time you do it, okay. But then the way they've chosen to revisit it, yeah, like, it's really diminishing. sucks the, the air turn. out of it. Yeah. Where like it's comic relief or it's just kind of a handy background device, and it's like I feel like it kind of takes the hell mouth and like demystifies it a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. I think in um, like the last season, we'll see it them attempting to mm-hmm. kind of give it a little bit more, more of like a bigger yeah. story yeah but like it's also just a little
0: yeah i agree eh,
1: like i don't i don't think that's the right use of the hell mouth right you know like like when like this is kind of my i was kind of joking but like it's true like when the apocalypse happens every week it's like kind of stops mattering because mm-hmm. it's like oh we'll just beat it again and like, yeah. it's like on the show then we, what happens is we get trained as viewers to like dismiss it yeah you and know? again and like, to, oh, to, why should i care
0: And and then that's where it's like, well, as long as the rest of the episode is working or the emotions of the rest of the episode, if those are on point point, then it kind of doesn't matter, you know, I think then then that is kind of like a interesting.
1: Well, that's why the Zeppo is so successful, because, yes, it's kind of used as a comedic device, but like everything else works. Well,
0: and exactly. And I think that that's particularly why not only are they diminishing how how scary the Hellmouth is going to be in the future, but they're not even really nailing the rest of the episode. So it's like for what purpose you just kind of. Yeah, you've taken the air out of this this plot device a little bit and also not really accomplished anything in the meantime. So it's a little bit like you could have done this with any other kind of monster. They didn't have to open the hell mouth.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, um,
1: I think the only notable thing here is that everyone else finds out Riley's a commando. True. Because Buffy agrees that um, she's not going to tell anyone, but, you know.
0: It's true. And actually, I did have one other thought about this episode because they do a side-by-side scene where, you know, now Riley goes back to the initiative and they're coming up with a plan on how to catch these demons and it cuts back and forth between that and the Scoobies meeting in Giles's apartment figuring out who these demons are and what they want. And I thought, I, I don't have a fully formed um, argument for this, but I have the seeds of one. <laughs> um, which is that it does seem a little bit like, you know, the Initiative, they're a military operation and they are a... T- I think they would say that they're very objective. They think they're very, sci- you know, they have scientists on staff. Yeah. They have methods and procedures. They are doing this in a quote-unquote, you know, re- emotionally removed way. I guess I think that's in, it's an interesting contrast to the Scoobies, right? Which is, I think, an argument that I'm, I'm not sure if this is a thing that's going to happen too much more in this season. I guess it, it, it will a little bit. But I guess what I'm saying is that it seems a little bit of a, interesting comment on kind of, you know, um, methods that have been accepted as the like standard and the actual uh, official way to go about things is to do things in this really scientific way that we've all convinced ourselves is objective when in fact, maybe doing things by emotion and gut is, is as effective, or at least it's also an alternative. Does that make any sense? I guess it what I'm saying is like, to me,
1: I think, you're reminding they're- me that I did want to talk about this scene mm-hmm. for a different reason. Um, it's kind of related to what you're saying, like how they're very objective and Buffy and her team is very emotional. I guess, emotional. and I guess
0: what I mean to say, I think, you know, those are things that people would describe as traditionally feminine in a negative way. And the sciency yeah. way is traditionally masculine. I don't mean, obviously, none of these things are anyway in reality, but the things that kind of get associated one way or another, I think that it is kind of in the it's maybe the one thing that this episode is doing right is kind of making an argument for this. Like, well, just because you've we've all decided that the quote-unquote manly way of doing things is the right one, they're clearly getting along fine not doing it that way.
1: Yeah. I, I also took that scene to show, I think you're right, like you can read a lot of that into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that scene also really showed the contrast of like the initiative approach versus the Scooby's approach mm-hmm. and sort of a bigger commentary on like, the military and warfare in general yeah, is that yeah. like the initiative is like viewing themselves as like the last force against all this like crazy stuff and like but they don't actually understand, understand. what they're yeah, dealing with totally. like you know they don't they understand referring or referring to the myth. demons as animals yeah. and you know the demons are kind of going crazy and they're just like who cares man they're just animals like whatever and it's like a little bit you can see a little bit of like a um, parallel of like how animals kind of go crazy before an earthquake mm-hmm. or whatever or after. And I think that's the point that the initiative is seeing, but also like that side-by-side shot really shows like, you know, Professor Gwelsh is like, they don't have a motive, it's just to create chaos and like, there's no greater intent. And then you see Giles being like, they're trying to do this because Mm -hmm. of this and they're going to do this first and like, this is the ritual. And like, it's like the initiative is just assuming that these beings are like animals that have no culture or intelligence or intentions and then like Buffy and her team always try to solve the problem by figuring out what do they want what are they here to do yeah and like they really truly understand the enemy where the initiative doesn't and I think it's kind of a bigger commentary on like you know so often militaries go to war Mm -hmm. and like they they struggle to defeat an enemy because they don't actually take the time to understand it totally yeah definitely we've seen this happen in the last decade right like you in these wars where like we don't a lot of the time, take the time to understand why things are happening mm-hmm. the way they are. And, like, I mean, that's how you end up with, like, civil war in Syria. Right. And, like, you know, we didn't directly cause that. But, but you know, like, whatever factions fighting in Afghanistan and all of that, like, right. it's a... And I think this is a little bit um, a little bit early right. for that parallel. By for like them to be making that season. direct
0: comparison, but I, I right. think you're totally right, right. on the general commentary I think commentary that it is on, a higher commentary yeah. on,
1: like... Uh, you know, the military doesn't really try to understand the big picture. It's just like, well, and again, uh, the problem, let's solve the problem, not the cause. Well,
0: and again, that they, there's a sense of arrogance in if we can just dissect this far, far enough, we'll figure it out. But the truth is that Giles has millennia worth of research on these demons and their motivations. So like, you know, again, like we see Forrest repeatedly kind of He's referring to the Slayer as a as a, like a, a fairy tale, basically, and he doesn't care about that. Whereas, like, yeah. first of all, we know that he's wrong because we've been watching four seasons of a show about her. But like, yeah, it is this very like dismissive way of yeah they they are certain that they're the ones doing it in the right way and that this well, is the only this way. Is something and I yeah
1: that I really agree. See them explore a little bit more. They, they right? definitely like, are going to
0: get into it, but I'm yeah. curious what like, the conclusion Riley is, is. Giving
1: mission briefings to these soldiers with information that is 100% incorrect. Mm-hmm. Like, everything he says is proven to be the opposite, right? Yeah. And they run all their missions this way. Like, bag and tag, like, whatever. But, like, he's, like, this... Like, everything he's saying about this demon is wrong. And, and, and yeah. And so... And
0: it's unclear how... I don't how think
1: that they even really address that in this episode, but they will.
0: No, and I think... But I definitely think it was there in that scene. I guess that was the one scene that I did really enjoy in this episode is... And then... and. It's interesting, too, because I don't know that we ever get this answer, but how long has the initiative been around, right? But, like, that's also, but again, like, they've definitely not been around as long as the Watchers Council, which for all of its flaws has a lot of understanding because of. The their how long they've existed I don't know they again I just want to hit the hit on how arrogant they're being in thinking that just because they have scientific methods to explore these things that they will inherently get to the right answer and it's clearly that's not true because they don't respect no. the actual story and the meaning behind it I think is and I think well, that they don't that respect is a very
1: the so-called enemy like they don't yeah, even take yeah. the time to understand the enemy yeah um, but also it seems like the initiative. It's unclear how long they've been around. But it I seems don't think like it's they're been... only patrolling the campus. Yeah, because Buffy never runs into them in military garb outside of the campus. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like they always change into civilian clothes when they go outside the campus.
0: I mean, where was that watchtower in Hush? I didn't think that was on campus. Okay, that maybe. might be the
1: exception. Either yeah. way,
0: either way, yeah. yeah. I don't think they've been around for that long, though. At the end of the day, it, maybe it can't a couple have been of years. more than like a
1: year, yeah, or two, yeah.
0: Anyway, so, anyway. yeah, I guess that yeah. scene was a little bit illuminating. And I know that there's going to be, you know, obviously the Initiative and Buffy are going to continue to run into each other, so I'm, I'm kind of curious where the other episodes fall on this argument.
1: Well, I think we I don't remember these themes a little bit in, like, the I and Team mm-hmm. and Goodbye, That's to the Iowa. one I'm thinking of, but... Yeah, and then also um, New Moon Rising is a big one mm-hmm. where there's a big break between, um, mm-hmm. like, methods and maybe Riley starting to understand... Why this military approach mm-hmm. isn't the best? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: anyway, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm interested to kind of follow that thread. I'm mm-hmm. not interested in following this. Riley but that's the only good thing thread. I think that comes out of this episode. <laughs> well,
1: that and Spike. <laughs> and Spike, because okay. Spike now fully being on the side. Yeah, of
0: and and evil. And it's nice too because in Hush, you know, again, he was used to great comedic effect in Hush, but there's really no point there's no good reason for him to still be around in that episode. Whereas now in this episode, thank God they finally come up with a good reason for him to be around, (laughs) which is that he's going to, you know, he has nothing to do when he can't feed, you know, he can't even feed himself. And also all the things that he used to do for fun, which is uh, cause mayhem and, and violence is he can't do those things either. So now that he's finally found an outlet for that, he does want to keep working with them because they're going to be the ones that bring him closer to that. So I think, yeah, I'm just I'm happy that he finally has a reason to be around, but also like I just really, you know, I love the way that they treat him in this episode, which is when he f- accidentally punches a demon for the first time. <laughs> there's like swelling heroic music playing behind him and it was just such a fun like I really love watching him get to make that transition into like, "Oh, I can do this." And then that the show is going to for a minute or, you know, maybe forever pretend like that's a he's such a great guy now because he can, like, whack all these demons. I don't know. I was very amused by it, I guess, but, is what I want to say.
1: Yeah. I but don't anyways, think they're
0: really going to treat him that I way forever, but I think in this episode it was a nice moment.
1: Well, I think you're right in that there had to be a shift. Like, even in Hush, like, you could argue that he's still there because they're still trying to pump him for information, but, like,
0: now the that they know that's going to be
1: a well that dries up. And it's kind of like, well, I guess they have qualms about killing him. Mm-hmm, but I, it doesn't really I, make I, sense. I, don't quite understand that. I don't either. Um, I
0: don't think that makes sense.
1: But I, I, it's just—it's just in service of the fact that they want to keep Spike on the show, mm-hmm. which I fully support. Mm-hmm. So yeah, find a reason to be there. But I love the twist that his little implant doesn't stop him from harming demons, mm-hmm. which is—it's another little subtle reinforcement, I think, of that that scene with the initiative that we that we were just talking about, where it would have never occurred to them to make it so that he can't harm any living thing, which right. is actually something that. I think Riley even said about the implant at one, t- one point, mm-hmm. but it just shows that they don't consider demons to be living things right, because right. it never occurred to them to, like, you know, jigger it so that he couldn't fight demons either. It's, mm-hmm. like, demons, like, they only calibrated it to, like, humans. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming, like, bunnies and puppies and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, like...
0: Yeah, it's very I, I thought there was a
1: great like oversight on their part yeah. that kind of reinforces this idea that like they just really don't understand. Like, I guess it would never occur to them that a demon would fight another demon.
0: Right, 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 right. They wouldn't have bothered.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. Hmm. Which is a little bit anomalous even in the world of Buffy to, to be sure. But of like, course.
0: Yeah. But yeah, but um, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it made for a great scene and I'm happy that it yeah. gives a much more legitimate reason for Spike to stick around. Where it's like we were really yeah. grasping at straws for a few episodes there, whereas now it's gonna make more sense.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, should we talk about Somnambulist? <laughs> yes. Uh, Jeremy Renner's debut on mm-hmm, Angel. mm-hmm. That blew my mind. I totally forgot. That I really on. forgot, yeah. Yeah. I think I mentioned it a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago because I was like looking up like photos to use on the website. Mm-hmm. And I had found that one and I was like, hang on, (laughs) that looks like Jeremy Winner. And then immediately I remembered, I was like, oh my God, that's right. Um, Okay, so this episode is Somnambulist, which like I said earlier, means sleepwalker Mm -hmm. because Angel, we begin, he's having a dream where, um, well, we don't know it's a dream. So we see presumably a vampire stalking a person Mm -hmm. and then drink their blood and mark them with like this metal claw thing. Mm -hmm. And then we see the camera cuts and it's Angel. But then Angel wakes up. So Angel's having a bad dream. Mm -hmm. And he wakes up and he's really cranky because he's not like sleeping very well. And um, we see Wesley come in to give them their mail because I guess Wesley still needs an excuse at this point to see them. And um, they kind of realize Angel's being really cranky. Mm -hmm. Um, Wesley sees um, a notice in the paper about this murder and he kind of recognizes the MO as angels. Mm -hmm. So he's really worried. And then Angel is like, no, I'm worried too, because he tells him about these dreams that he's having. And he thinks he's been sleepwalking and like killing these victims. Right. So they like chain Angel down overnight and there's another murder. So it's not him. Mm -hmm. Um, but um, they have to figure out who it is. So meanwhile, Kate's back mm-hmm. and she's on the trail of this serial killer and um, Angel kind of realizes who's doing it based on the victim mm-hmm. pictures and realizes it's a, a, one of his progeny that he trained in the art of how to kill like Angel mm-hmm. back in the 1700s and this guy is now in modern day LA like recreating these murders that they did back in the 1700s and um In the course of this, like Angel convinces Kate that he knows who the next victim is going to be, but also kind of reveals himself to be a vampire in the process of trying to save her from this guy, Penn, Mm -hmm. um, who thinks Angel is there to help him kill Kate, but um, Angel, of course, isn't. Mm -hmm. So through the course of this, Kate is... Made aware of the world of vampires, mm-hmm. um, learns about Angel's past as a murderer, mm-hmm. and um, Angel eventually uh, prevails. Where Kate drives a giant stake through Angel's stomach and mm-hmm. stakes Pen, which is kind of an awesome scene. <laughs> um, yeah, but basically, I don't really remember if they end like on a good note or not. I don't think so. Mm-mm. Yeah, so sorry that is really bad, but that is the gist of the episode. Yeah, (laughs) I could have just said Angel's old progeny from the past comes back and perpetuates a string of murders, and in attempting to find him, Angel reveals himself to Kate. Yeah, there we go. I just got so distracted by the fact that Kate was back. I know that annoyed me.
0: Yeah, I I can't with Kate Uh, anymore. I I, but I can't remember when she stops appearing in the show because I know that they had a falling out and that that. Kind of is like a breaking point, and I, it must be this episode that I was thinking of. I thought it, I always thought it was an episode with her dad where she, I thought Angel got fra- framed for something else. But anyway, anyway, I
1: think she kind of ends like she knows what he is, but like she's not cool with it really. But like she recognizes that he's. I don't. I feel like bad. there is an
0: episode though where she explicitly says like I'll never forgive you or something like that. But no. maybe I made it up. So I don't I know. Don't know. I don't remember. But I
1: do... So a little trivia. This is fun. Okay. Um, Joss Whedon did not cast Jeremy Renner in either this role or the role of Haka. Oh. in The Avengers. <laughs> oh, so funny. So it's just coincidence yeah. that he appeared in both of these. And um, also Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Rome, who plays Kate, mm. played a married couple in American Hustle. Oh, funny. Which I remembered him being in American Hustle, but not so much her. Huh. Yeah. So I, I read that on Wikipedia. Okay. So fun trivia for the episode. Yeah. Um, hmm. Also, Jeremy Renner is rocking a very 2000 look. Like, he really
0: is. Oh man, the spiky that blonde spiked, hair, gelled yeah. hair, and
1: the goatee. And yeah. it's like he's almost unrecognizable. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't remember him really being in anything until American, hu- uh, not American Hustle. Um, uh, the the Hurt Locker. So I, I I'm not sure. He must super have just kind of been him. bouncing around.
0: For yeah. a
1: while. yeah. But you know, we're 11 episodes in, and we've finally gotten to. You know the new original core cast of Angel. Mm-hmm. Wesley's in the credits, mm-hmm. um, so officially goodbye Doyle, and it's kind of a new era. But I do think this is an immediate uh, sort of backslide, and it and, really and, is. and I I hate to point fingers, but honestly, a lot of it I think has to do with the fact that as soon as I realized Kate was in this episode, I just went ugh. Like I mean, but they really just that just doesn't work they bungle I it think. so much I agree yeah. Because it's
0: so okay so first of all she will not stop hitting on Angel and it's not it's like in the way that it wasn't cute when Doyle was doing it like it's no longer cute like she's not good at flirting it's not subtle and I don't like Just say it or move on. Like, I don't understand why Angel puts up... I don't understand why Angel doesn't say something to her. I don't understand why she's not more direct with Angel. Like, that whole thing, it's just weird that they're even... At this point, you know, in the first couple episodes, like, sure, maybe she was going to turn into a romantic relationship for him. I feel like it's clear now that it's not going to happen. It's like, I don't know why they keep going back to that well. That's my first problem. Second problem, I... I mean, it's just overwrought. She's doing that whole, there's a part here where she's describing who the serial killer is, and it's clearly a description of Angel, and that was just, like, a lot for me. But I think my biggest issue that I kind of mentioned either now or in our last episode is, like, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. I think it's clear in, in the world of Angel that L.A. is a place where a lot of demons live for various reasons. It's not that, probably because it's not that far from the Hellmouth, but it's still an urban city where there's lots of places where they can hide. And, like... And feed. And feed. It just doesn't make sense to me that, as a cop in l a she would have never come across any of this, and so it just she's kind of acting petulant the way that Buffy was in the last episode, right, where it's just like she's so mad that this stuff exists, it's like you haven't seen victims with blood drain before, like I don't believe- I don't buy it,
1: you know, you just said something that I think really nailed what I don't like about Kate is she's petulant, yes, like she, she always responds is responds to everything like it's this personal affront to her, yeah, but like.
0: With no awareness she, for how she's involved in it or what she should be doing, yeah.
1: Like even the or like even any, the angel, any attempt to give Angel the benefit of the doubt, or, but even the angel, I, I always
0: get the impression that like one of the things that she's so mad about now is that Angel, and I hate to say it this way, but it's like, like I think she's mad that Angel doesn't like her. Like that always feels like it's part of her interaction with him.
1: Yeah, Like she's always annoyed. You know, I, I also I think my favorite moment of this entire episode was when Wesley told Angel that he can't go to the cops and tell them in detail about this killer yeah. because it's <laughs> going to sound like he's, he's, the, he's killer. the killer. And I was like, thank God Wesley voiced that because that's exactly what Angel did the first time yeah, he like ran true. into Kate that's and true. she <laughs> thought he was the killer. Like it's like he didn't learn that lesson, uh, and yeah. it takes Wesley being here like you can't do that. And Angel's like, oh yeah, right. Like I can't. Yeah. Like yeah. But like, why (sighs) does it take that happening? And why is this, why are we still trying to involve the cops? Like, that's the thing that I. Well, and, and that like, they already went, like, you make a great point too. They've already
0: done this storyline with Kate and Angel specifically where she thought he was the killer. So it's like, she really needs to either trust him or decide she's not going to work with him. But this weird middle ground where she didn't just gets mad at him for things that she doesn't understand is like, it's just annoying. It doesn't me- add up to anything or add much to the show other than it's, like, an antagonist, you know? Like, and the- But they like, think she's a hero, and it's, like, I don't know, guys.
1: <laughs> I think the thing is, like, on paper, Kate sounds like a great character. She does, Like, you've got yeah. a badass female cop who's, like, you know, filling this probably traditional masculine role, and it sounds like this great, like, furthering of, like, flipping gender stereotypes, you know, and yeah. all this stuff, but, like... You know, she's like Buffy with a badge almost, right? Yeah. Except she's dealing with, like, normal people, not But she sometimes but then,
0: acts like a teenager. Yeah, whoever is
1: writing Kate's character yeah, they is doing a horrible job. They can't
0: get her motivations and her character right.
1: No, and they just, you're right, they make her sound just like petulant and bratty and like also like I don't think it's intentional but it does come across that like she's just pissed at Angel because he's not romantically interested in her which I don't think is supposed to be the point. I agree that
0: it's not supposed to be the point but I feel like it ends up playing that way.
1: Yeah and I don't know if that's an acting choice or like a writing choice. Yeah. It doesn't work no matter what but.
0: No and again that like she has this very much in the way that the last episode Buffy was so annoyed that these things were happening to her. It's like, these things are happening in LA and you're a cop. You're supposed to be responsible for it. So it's like, Angel didn't betray you. He's not doing anything. I just, where are you coming from? I don't know. You know, why would he have saved you all those times? Why would he have worked with you all those times? I get it that like, it's a weird situation, but it just, I just don't understand. I don't understand. Um, let's make a different point. <laughs> One of the okay. victims is named Jenny. Jenny. <laughs> That means nothing other than I was in it. Although they spell her name with a J, at least in the subtitles. Mm. Um, So I'm famous and Angel's protege killed me. It's nice. Um, but I don't know. I did still appreciate Wesley in this episode a lot. I think, yeah, like it's funny that he kind of has to try and come up with an excuse to be around. But I also just, first of all, they really needed somebody to do research. Like they... How are they even surviving without somebody filling this role is a little bit baffling to me. But I also just really love when he shows up to Cordelia to explain. Like he did all this extensive research on Angelus when he was still a Watcher, and he has a file that just says Angel really thick on the tab. <laughs> I don't know. I just it was very amused.
1: Which also, like, he showed up in LA with like saddlebags. So I know like, he had his he get Angel that? file in the saddlebags. Okay, he maybe um, shipped
0: some stuff to himself.
1: Yeah, I do like the note though that he's still. A little tentative and like unsure yeah. about like his place in this like he doesn't automatically assume he's working for them he's like hey I'm here because I brought your mail and it's like he's trying to come up with weird excuses to like be there um because he's not yet aware of his own role or they're they haven't solidified it and I like that that's kind of taking a natural course right and you know like, it's not just like hey what buddy why don't you come on the payroll or whatever
0: yeah and you know what I think you're um what You saying that made me think that, like, maybe one of the reasons why I like
1: Wesley is because
0: he's not being arrogant about it, at least this time around. It's nice that he's not just assuming that he fits in here and he knows best, because, like, I hate when we have to, you know, this is, I don't need yeah. to see the initiative also an in Angel. It's nice that he's caring a little bit to
1: ease in. Yeah. I also like that we're very slowly getting hit. You can kind of see his progression a little bit in his clothing choices. Like, he's still wearing that weird, like, linen suit. Mm-hmm. Um, But now he's not wearing a tie, and so like it's they casual. don't keep him in suits yeah. forever. Yeah. But like it is a thing that used to be Wesley, right? He was very buttoned up mm-hmm. and like, formal in a t- in a suit all the time. Yeah. Um, But I like that it's, you can still kind of see him clinging to that a little bit. Yeah, but then that's a good point. Slowly kind to and the fact that he's in a linen suit instead of a regular yeah. suit too. Yeah. I don't know if that was intentional, but I I, I kind of like, thought I, it was. I noticed it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think Angel, if he's gonna operate as a PI, needs to get PI access to things. Seriously. Like, it's also, like, why don't they have a license? To be, yeah, that he's supposed to be an investigator, and he keeps having to go to the cops. Mm-hmm. Like, even on Veronica Mars, they could pull a license plates. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, it's a know, good point. He just needs to
1: go talk to Mr. Mars. Um, yeah, but also, did you notice that there was a scene where in that montage where like, um. Jeremy Renner is, like, planning this, like, attack. He's wearing glasses. Yes. And I
0: didn't understand I think we why. talked about that. Yeah. I, it's very unclear what the physical rules of vampires are in a lot of ways. Like, I don't know what that meant. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Like, for, I could see him doing it for, like, effect, but, like, there's no one there to see him. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's very weird. Um. I don't really have too much more to say other than, I mean, like, I did not really like this no, episode. No, I really didn't. Um,
0: and it didn't even really do much for me on the Angel front because, like, I've already seen him. There have been yeah. so many better episodes in Buffy kind of about this sort of theme that it's like, I guess they need to reintroduce it to the Angel audience, but I just didn't think this was a particularly great version of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there you do get a little bit of a retread of, like, Angel worrying about the effect of his past and people trying to reassure him that, like, it's about his actions now mm-hmm. and like that's the whole concept of this show is like his actions are supposed to atone for his past. Mm-hmm. Um, although we haven't gotten to that prophecy yet, but, um, I did like the scene of Cordelia assuring angel that like, yeah. she's his friend and like overtly referring to him as her, as her friend. Mm-hmm. Um, not just like her boss or whatever, like that they're friends now. And, um, you know, I think you can kind of see the after effects of like Doyle's death in that. um, that kind of like dynamic, but also I guess that scene was originally supposed to be between Doyle and Angel. Yeah.
0: I'm glad it wasn't. Uh, Yeah. I think it works so much better coming
1: from Cordelia. Um, But I I think that's a nice button to the episode that otherwise is in every other way, a complete retread Mm -hmm. of something that's already happened. And you know what? I'm getting frustrated because I, I do understand probably the attitude of we're trying to build a show. We're trying to build a world. We're trying to build an audience that's not, comprised entirely of Buffy viewers right. that carried over so you're tr- every week there's an element of kind of like reintroduction mm-hmm. or taking it slow but it's also like we're 11 episodes in now to Angel and I'm just like are we done yet like, yeah can yeah. we just get going can we like just turn it into the show that you like it just feels like every episode is a reset and it's it just does getting- it really does yeah and like we've already had this episode like various parts of these episode have already happened in like three other episodes of the season mm-hmm. and it's just starting to feel a little repetitive and also like Angel's kind of an idiot for not learning lessons quick enough I mean but
0: and, and to that point like why didn't they put Kate on the? she should have been aware of this stuff a few of a few episodes ago it's weird to me that like it's taken her four or five appearances to get into the supernatural fold when like that's the whole premise of the show you know like what has she even been doing
1: yeah and it's like this in some ways is probably the big like Kate finds out right, in the yeah. secret episode. But it's also like such a like underwhelming part of it. it really? Is, and yeah. her reaction is so annoying. Yeah. And like, but also like you can't really blame her because she finds out, but they don't explain anything to her.
0: Yeah. I guess
1: you you're know, right. She is just it? goes off on her own and reads some binders or something.
0: Kind of as with stuff that was happening with Doyle, is is like the emotional payoff of this episode is based entirely on you caring about her. And because they've really not done great work with her character, I don't care about her. <laughs>
1: I care about Kate even less than I thought I did. Yeah, coming into same. This. Like, yeah, which was not a lot. Like I knew she was going to be a problematic character, but I care even less. Yeah, I'm like
0: and to your point, like away. on paper she really should work, and there's so many things about her that are cool concepts. They just can't give her like the dialogue and the behavior to make sense of it. It's just bizarre. Whereas I think, you know, and I, again, I don't know if this is the actors or if this is the writing, but it seems clear to me that they are not having that problem with Wesley. So I don't know what the deal is, but it's just not working.
1: You know, some of it, though, I think... I don't
0: really blame her too much for some reason. No,
1: although <laughs> I was thinking I haven't really seen her in that much, but she has kind of a, like, sleepy quality to, yeah. like, her presence yeah. that I think yeah.
0: doesn't it's just not go fitting. very well
1: with what... It, like it doesn't go with the character yeah, very well. Yeah. Like, I think whatever she's trying to do choices-wise or for this character is, like, kind of at odds with what's on the page. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think it makes her more problematic. Yeah. Think, not to blame the actor, but, like, I think it's part of it. I yeah. think there's a lot of reasons this didn't work. And I wish I could remember, but I just don't think Kate carries over. I don't think she's around. season. I forget. I really forget. Or at forget. least not very long.
0: I can't remember. I not
1: <sighs> there's probably a reason I can't remember.
0: Yeah. I guess I'm still happy to have Wesley around. I think Cordelia is working even better than she was working before. So, you know, it's like, but yeah, as I feel like this is the theme of angel is that like, they're so close to being right. And they're just back treading every other episode. And it's very frustrating anyway. Uh, I don't have anything else to say about this one. No,
1: nope, I really don't either. <laughs>
0: So, what are we doing? What are we talking about next week?
1: Um, Okay, so next week we're talking about a new man. Oh, which is um, a great episode. I think I know which one that is. Uh, Ethan is okay.
0: Then yes, I like that one a Mm -hmm. lot. Okay,
1: yes, me too. Um, And then on Angel, expecting, um, we will be talking about expecting. I hate that one Just, too. Really? I don't I, remember. Um, I,
0: re- I only remember the premise. I don't remember how, I, yeah. how it pays out. Ugh. I don't
1: think I hate it. Okay. And And um, speaking of Veronica Mars, we're going to see um, a Veronica Mars actor. Ooh. Mars. I don't know so who it is. Exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that'll be next week. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, like, I really do think that Angel is, it's on an upswing.
0: Yeah. They're so close to having all the pieces there. (laughs)
1: Right. And from afar, it's definitely more on an upswing. I think, um, you know, when you look at it from an episode-to-episode basis, like, there's still a little bit, like, you know, two steps forward, one step Mm -hmm. back kind of thing happening. Mm -hmm. But we'll get there. Yeah. I I hope I'm remembering this not more positively than it actually is. I feel like the
0: finale of this season is good, but I don't remember...
1: I mean, we still have the Faith episodes coming out. Oh, those are
0: season one? Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that'll be good. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah, so, I mean... Yeah. And that gives us some good Wesley stuff, mm-hmm. so I think there's good stuff coming. Yeah. It's just we've got to get through more of this. Yeah. Mm. This was not good. <sighs> okay. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't really have any pop culture. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> Burn that off in the last <laughs> recording. Uh... And let's see, I think, hmm, God, I'm Team Spike this week. Yeah, yay. Because he's I'm going to didn't, you know. He wasn't annoying. He, yeah. <laughs> he knows who he
0: is, and he's leaning into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something.
1: <laughs> Everyone else was just really just, this wasn't a good week for Team.
0: Yeah, I mean, Willow, I, I, Willow was fine, but she also didn't really stand out in the way she sometimes does. No,
1: I, I can't. I can't in good faith pick anyone else from (laughs) this week and Angel as a team, like, you know, Wesley didn't really do that much. He was um, cute,
0: but he didn't pull a lot of weight. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll go with team spike and his vampires. (laughs) Nasty. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Once more with commentary is produced by me, Allie and me, Jenny our theme music is from the album Rockingham
0: by Nerf Herder.
1: And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at morewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at podcast. You
0: can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.